Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode seventy-nine of Shunya One. We have a fun episode coming up. We have Armando Asuna of CleverTap. He's a VP over there who has a really interesting work history. He's worked in a bunch of different spaces across marketing and brands and all that kind of stuff. And、uh, it's actually really interesting what kind of a career path he's taken.、Uh, in the meantime, also please check out the Slack channel. We had an interesting question last year. We asked a very simple question: Are you an iPhone user or an Android user? Turns out, two out of three of our listeners are Android users. That is, I guess, not so much of a surprise, but somewhat of a surprise. But、uh, yeah, with that, let's get on with the show. All right, welcome to Shunya One, episode seventy-nine, with Armando Osuna. How are you doing, Armando? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. How have you been loving your India trip so far? You know, this is the first time in Mumbai. And I think the thing that strikes me the most is the balance of the history, and like what's going on today in, the, in this modernization of the world, and just seeing how everyone is just on their device,、uh, doing a lot of things besides just sending chats,、uh-huh. um, has been something that's been pretty eye-opening. Because you hear about the market, you hear about it being a sleeping giant, but to actually experience it is something that's kind of surreal. And how have you been liking Indian food in India? <laughs> Well, I would definitely say it blows anything that I've had in San Francisco out of the water. Yeah.、Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm not gonna lie; it, I think this is my fourth day in a row eating Indian food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I may be ready for a burrito when I get back to San Francisco. To be quite honest. Yeah, I think I, your body is trying to tell you, like, yeah, <laughs> in moderation. Yeah, exactly. My, my internal spice levels are at an all-time high. I、yeah. do the same thing when I go over there with Mexican food. I eat that morning. Oh, night, oh my、night. god, it's amazing over、yeah. there. But thanks so much for being here. You've obviously had a massive past of、uh, ex- set of experiences in the mobile space.、Uh, you've been doing some lot of cool stuff. You're obviously on board with、uh, CleverTap now to do some very much a lot more cooler stuff. I'm hoping. <laughs> But if you could just、uh, tell everyone about what you've been doing, what you've、uh, you know all the all the gigs you've had, and of course、uh, some background. Yeah, definitely.、Um- Yeah, I think you know, clever tap. I didn't really, you know, think I'd be working at a place full time.、Um, I had been advising、uh, for such a long time, and、um, you know, through my、uh, investment company Meadow Ventures,、uh, just been looking and trying to find deal flow.、Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening? I was in Berlin, met the founders of Clever Tap, and you know, like all good relationships, they started off with the beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and、uh, they really broke down the metrics, and I was really impressed.、Um, and ultimately, you know, I think what I see in CleverTap is a potential unicorn coming out of India, and I wanted to be a part of that. But you know, we can get it. We could get into the CleverTap、uh, stuff later. But you know, honestly, I started my career、uh, on Madison Avenue on the agency oh, side. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you know, because、um, you know. 2005. There's no iPhone. My dad wants me to be an accountant. I'm a lazy student at USC. I, you know, I'm trying to like really enjoy my surroundings, aka、uh, California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And、uh, you know, I told him I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be a marketing major." Almost lost his mind. He wanted me to be an accounting major. I was like, "I don't think I'm an accountant at all."、Uh, but you know, that's that's kind of where I got introduced to like digital media, right?、Mm-hmm. And、uh, started off as a media buyer. Um, you know, and ultimately, 2010, 2011, I find myself looking at my palm more and more because there is an iPhone there,、right. and I just realize that everything is going to trend towards that. So, 
uh, just kind of made the decision to get out to San Francisco, uh, join a company called Keep in the early stages. And it was the one of the very... Note-taking f- company. No, so it's KIIP. Oh, okay. So, but we do know that. So, KIIP, so basically what it was, it was a rewards SDK. And what we were doing is that we were doing gamification. Uh, And so the way that it worked was, you know, you pass level three in Angry Birds. mm -hmm. And rather than seeing an advertisement, you would see a real reward. Like, hey, here's $10 to Best Buy. Mm, okay. And so that was the premise. Is that in that moment, in that, that time when, wow, I feel so good about passing level 10, we put a brand in there. Right. Those same feelings are hopefully going to be transposed to that brand. Right. Um, so uh, that company, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was working with a very young founder, 18-year-old, Brian Wong. Okay. Um, you know, Brian, Forbes list, 30 under 30, four years in a row. Wow. Very impressive kid, had graduated college by the time he was 18. And, you know, we we're on the early, I was on the early team and we wanted to build something special, and uh, and we did. I think a lot of talent came out, has come out of that company. Um, they're still alive and kicking, and they're doing very well. But you know, that was kind of like the foray into startups. Nice. And what you do after that? How do you get into like? Of course, now you have your own VC firm. Uh, you do investing yourself, and of course. You've also worked with a bunch of other advertising slash digital media sort of companies, which uh, have been formative in this whole space. Yeah, you know, I think you know you. It's almost hard to not want to help people, you know, in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I always come from the mindset of a helping, of wanting, you know, being a helping hand. Because the one thing that I've realized is that even if you don't make even if the the company it can't really help you personally, but you know someone that they that can help them, mm-hmm. you know you kind of do that pay it forward. Yeah. Um, and you know, and to me that's something that uh, is alive and well there. And I think that's I love that attitude. It's not about being selfish and like this is my idea. The people want to tell you about like their ideas. And I think mm-hmm. you know, actually going into investing, you hear a, a lot of ideas every day. Um, so you know, you're kind of inclined to want to see if you can kind of place the right kind of bet. But you know. Beyond that, it's, you know, it's mobile, you know, and I, and I think that it's uh, it's at a place right now where we kind of know where it's headed, but mm-hmm. it's still early stages. So, you know, you'd kind of be a fool not to kind of place these types of bets, right? right. Um, but, you know, I think even from, you know, my experience in analytics and attribution, you know, working at companies like AppsFlyer uh, and Adjust, um, you know, what I saw really was this trend is like, you know, Keep was at its heart an ad network. Correct. Right. And so when we're working with brands, you know, they would say, well, I believe your numbers, but there's this third party that I'm using that actually verifies and validates. And that's what we're going to bill off of. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And that was the attribution players. And, you know, when you kind of, you know, when someone's not believing what you're saying or trying to say, well, let me just verify it. It's a bit offensive at first, but then you get it because there's so much money changing hands. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's kind of what got me really interested in into attribution. Uh, and, you know, from there, you just kind of saw that, you know, analytics was becoming more and more a uh, part of the daily life of the of the marketer. Right. Right. And so, you know, you want to kind of be where the money's at and that's where the money was at at that moment in time so uh you know i think at the end of the day those companies are doing very very well still yeah. uh i yeah. think AppSlar is on its way to becoming a unicorn they're based out of uh Hertalia and tel aviv yeah. uh and you know just is based out of berlin so you know one startup nation and obviously you know what's going on in the berlin startup scene it's yeah. it's incredible yeah. and uh you know kind of find my i found myself having these executive roles there and then you you know, it's not that you go to grow tired of it, but then you sometimes you need a little bit of a break, mm-hmm. right? And then when you need that break, 
that's kind of when you say, I want to start advising different types of companies to kind of break up the monotony of kind of doing that day to day. Absolutely. In fact, uh, with your background in first advertising, like buying ads, like you said, going into uh, a digital ad network, going into the attribution of that ad network. It's actually been an interesting, uh, fairly, uh, it's like you almost planned it. Uh, <laughs> but, but seeing as it is, uh, what's your take on how digital ads or digital media in general gets, you know, like called up on for stats and accuracy and, uh, you know, like everyone's really anal about, you know, the numbers, like you said, because of uh, so much money changing hands, whereas traditional media still has no idea what works. Yeah, that's that's so true. And, you know, it's almost like because mobile is so trackable, right? right. It's an SDK and yeah. it's on the device and you know when there's an app launch and you know what the user is doing. It's almost set up that way. It's set up so that it can be tracked and it can be verified. And if you really think about it, you know, the number one thing on a marketer's mind these days who spend a lot of money on mobile is fraud. Yeah. You yeah. know, because where there is money, there will be fraud. And so the, the, the role that, you know, I see kind of happening and, and, and I guess he, he, my career is kind of funny because, you know, I started buying media. Then I went to an ad network. Then I went to a company that tracked the ads. And now I'm at a company that helps you, you know, make recoup your investment. Right. Exactly. With, so it's kind of like I'm following this like funnel. <laughs> yeah. Right. Naturally. Yeah. But it's because, you know, that's kind of where you want to be. You want to be where, you know, the apex of the next great and, and biggest thing. And, you know, Clever Tap sits there. You know, CleverTap sits at a place where, you know, they focus on segmentation and reactivating churned users, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, when you get to that to that point and you're working with these marketers and you're seeing how much money is changing hands, it's almost like we need to exist. Because yeah. if CleverTap hadn't exist, it doesn't exist, um, you know, they're kind of lost, right? It's just like, it's like a leaky bucket. They're just exactly. throwing money away. Exactly. It goes back to being like traditional media. Like I put up a hoarding or I put a paper yeah. ad in the newspaper, but... The 50% rule, right? Yeah. 50% of all advertising works, just nobody knows which 50%. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, so that's, it's interesting to sort of see the whole digital media space sort of come around like this, right? And of course, because it's trackable, it'll only get harder and harder for, uh, you know, to people to justify the n amount of money spent. But there's another angle which I wanted to ask you about. While you s made the move from traditional media and, of course, you've been in digital and mobile for so long, do you really see worldwide uh, the amount of money being spent on traditional media really going down? Because somehow it just seems like that's still happening. Yeah. I think and if you've noticed any newspapers in India while you were here, you see there's a lot of ads in paper, newspapers. Oh, absolutely. I just saw a YouTube ad for a movie called Zero, I believe, on yeah. the newspaper, which you're thinking, like, that should be a banner ad. But, <laughs> you know, it's an actual ad. Um, no, you know, I don't think, I think there's always going to be a place for that. You know, I think humans are multisensory. There you go. Exactly. I agree with that completely. I, th I, I think that's something that a lot of people talk about, which makes no sense, right? It's like not one thing necessarily has to replace another. Mm -hmm. You know, you get new stuff happening and they can be complementary to previous kinds of things, right? And that is something that I feel that uh, you see that you, you like, I mean, like it's one thing. I have these conversations all the time. Oh, podcasting. Oh, you're the next big thing after video. You're the next big thing after blogs. I'm like, no, it's like these things exist parallelly. They don't have to be one doesn't necessarily have to replace the other. 
Absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, there's no, no better experience than watching a, a live sports match with your friends sitting on the couch. You guys are not just going to be staring at your phone. Mm-hmm. You're, it, there's a, a different type of enjoyment. You know, I think mobile is so personal, which is why it's be, which is why it's growing because it's every experience that you have is simply catered to you right. to get you to you know complete some type of action. While, you know, television, it's your time to kind of space out and just kind of relax a little bit. So, you know, as humans, you can't always be so tuned in. Mm-hmm. You need those moments where you can just kind of tune out and essentially just, you know, sit in, in you know, in, in life, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of enjoy the moment. Nice. All right. But going back a little bit more about to all the stuff you've done in Silicon Valley. How, how long has it been for you now in San Francisco? Man, you know, it feels like dog years. I feel like yeah. I've been there for 50 years. But no, I've, I've been, I've been uh, in Silicon Valley for, this would be my eighth year. Yeah. So. Um, and, you know, I think a lot has changed. Um, you know, I think I've definitely become a bit more uh, lazier in terms of, you know, my food and who picks me up. And it's like there's an app for simply everything. And, yeah. you know, in San Francisco, it's ground zero for this stuff. Um, you know, Cruise, which is a company that was acquired by General Motors, uh, they're about to launch their driverless on-demand ride service. So there's not going to be one person in the car. It's going to be an empty car that picks you up and then you go. So... I see these cars in my neighborhood every single day. They have all these, you know, gadgets on the outside of the cart that essentially are helping it learn. Right. Right. And then they're ready to launch. And, you know, Waymo, another company that had that Uber lawsuit mm-hmm. with Andy Landowski, um, they're about to launch their service in, in Phoenix. So, you know, we're right there. We're right at this moment where um, things are going to be a little bit different. They're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. that uncomfortability is really just prepping you for the future. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so in the last eight years, you've actually seen from a from an iPhone, post-iPhone era, how things have just, like, gone ballistic yeah. in terms of every other technology that you've seen. Yeah, I mean, and there's funny stunts. Like, you know, uh, last year, um, you know, Amazon was dropping burritos from the sky via drone. <laughs> <laughs> and they did this special thing with Chipotle, and you're just, like, looking in the air, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> oh, it's my it's my food. It's in the air, you know. And but that stuff is coming. You know, they they gotta kind of prep you. And I think that's the one thing about San Francisco. And in a lot of ways, I, I tell my friends and they laugh. But I, it sometimes feels like Blade Runner because mm-hmm. it's just just like immense technology. And I don't know if you guys have been privy to see the new Salesforce building in San Francisco. But at the very top of the building, and it's the tallest building on the West Coast. Yeah. You know. Shout out to Mark Benioff, a USC graduate like myself. So uh-huh. that's one of the guys that I really look up to. But, you know, it, and it has the one of the largest video screens at the very top of the tower. And on Halloween, they literally were showing uh, Mordor. From oh, the, yeah. Yeah. I and, saw that. And it was like surreal because I'm just like, that's kind of creepy, you know? <laughs> so it was just like you see like, you know, the Eye of Sauron and it's like this fire at the tip of the building. And it's just like throwing you off. And yeah, they did it for Halloween. But... You know, I told my wife, I was like, this is kind of scary a little bit. But, yeah. you know, it's it's they're willing to take those chances. They want the shock and awe because with the shock and awe is how they know they can have those paradigm shifts. Yeah. In fact, we'll come back, uh, take a quick break, come back and talk some more about some more new, interesting, cool stuff that you've been looking at. All right. Welcome back, guys. Uh Carrying on from that crazy story about burritos falling from the sky <laughs> and the eye of Sauron uh, in San Francisco <laughs> the last weekend. 
there's a lot more which has happened of of course every every few months there's a new technology or a new breakthrough or a new kind of startup or a new massive funding round every other hour i think in silicon valley but what what's some of the most uh, disruptive real tech beyond like like driverless cars obviously we've all been hearing about globally but what's some really contextual stuff happening around the, that side because you're in the heart of it uh, what do you think is the most interesting Yeah, you know, I think the funniest thing in California is that, you know, legislation has passed where now marijuana is legal in, yeah. in California and um, you know, it's basically like alcohol. You show your ID at the dispensary and they let you in and then it's kind of like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory or a weed factory. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, ultimately, um, you know, it, you know, I laugh at it, but at the same time there are it it provides a, uh, you know, a lot of relief for people who are in pain and you know, the technology piece of it, you know, companies like Ease, um where it's essentially, you know, Uber for weed and you put in your, you know, what you want and they come and there's a guy who like will ring your doorbell and say, "Hey, you know, here's your package. Have a good day." Um but the cannabis tech stuff is really interesting in, in California because one, I think they're having a very hard time finding executives to kind of jump ship to work at these cannabis companies because people don't know how to feel about that on their linkedin uh, as funny right. as that sound right you know it, but it's, it's true it's part of your resume at that point in time exactly and when you put yourself in that position you put yourself up for scrutiny mm-hmm. and because it's not legal on the federal level you know uh i think that's 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 essentially the challenge that they're facing but i think again you know it's a, it's a bunch of misfits in silicon valley and people who want to take that chance and take that risk is a massive market i think of the 28 billion dollar market uh wow. and if you look at countries like canada who's who basically fully legalized it um it it kind of takes you to that place back when prohibition kind of like mm-hmm. you know was over and then the money just started pouring in so you know i think the technology that can come out of there whether it's you know building a back office for a dispensary where they mm-hmm. can manage all the payments or whether it's deli- on demand or whether it's you know some other type of technology whether it's like a vaporizer pin yeah. you know yeah. because even consumer technologies are something that um they are being affected by that you know and, and there's a very large company in uh, in the US called Juul yeah Juul yeah i've seen those it's like man it's like everyone is vaping it's like jeez it's like you know <laughs> the people who used to vape back in the days were like juggalos who liked like insane clown posse and drank like <laughs> and drank and like drank fago <laughs> But now it's like people are vaping at their desk and it's like dude you're like the CEO but it's just become so normalized yeah. and it's become so available that now the government has paid attention because what's the unfortunate byproduct is that kids yeah are now vaping and they're being introduced to nicotine at a much earlier age so they actually just passed legislation where it's illegal to now sell it at a liquor store and you have to actually go to Jules website you have to do age verification and then you have to type in the last four of your social security number ah. so they're going to have this database where they can basically verify that information so right. you know again it's 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 kind of the byproduct of taking risks is that you don't you, they didn't expect that to happen yeah but it it did happen unfortunately but i think they're again you know if you can kind of play within the box as much as possible usually you're going to be in a pretty good spot yeah the rise of vtech uh has actually been really fast especially of course with the legislation changing but the other stuff of course we've all been hearing about i mean like i said driverless cars or things like ai or ar uh and there's quite a bit of stuff uh, even happening there like there's like snapchat uh, what's happening with snapchat by the way <laughs> well okay look at 
let's be honest with ourselves. I, I, I can't, I don't know, probably no one's opened the Snapchat ad in the last like five or six months. And there's yeah. a reason. I think, one, you have a CEO who has an ego. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't empowered his employees to essentially... Uh, you know, do what's best for his company because he feels like this is my company. I'm the visionary, and just that's what happens when you have a, a CEO who's a designer by trade, a product designer by trade, right? They they kind of always are, you know, poking holes and and really just not letting you do the right type of work. But the one thing that they did do fantastically is that they introduced people to augmented reality. Yeah, you know, the very first augmented reality ad that they launched was with Taco Bell, and basically your face became a taco. <laughs> it's like you're taco-fying yourself but it was fun and it was you know and it was innovative and because of that now you start to see a lot of augmented reality companies coming out of it one of the companies that i advise is called hype and you know hype um, they're trying to build the world's largest connected camera ad network oh. and so you can imagine a, a future where you're walking down the street you probably are going to have the Apple AR glasses. Uh-huh. And then you see what seems to be a virtual sandwich board outside of Starbucks that says, if you can see this, you get $5 off your Frappuccino. Uh, and these are gonna, there's going to be ads floating around you everywhere. Uh, but once you take those glasses off, you're back in the quote-unquote real world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's not far off. That's, no, no. Yeah, that's, this this that's... is a next year thing. This is not that far off. From what I've heard from friends, and they're going to kill me that I'm saying this, but it does look like 2020 is when they're going to launch that product. Wow. So uh, I guess we're breaking some news here. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully man. they don't come after us. <laughs> That's nuts, right? I mean, you guys are... So you're seeing stuff like this. Uh, in contrast, I don't know if you've uh, seen the Indian startup tabloids or heard about any... Uh, hype stuff from here but obviously we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs here and we hear about uh, you know we stay in the know of what's happening we've had waves maybe just the past five years mm. or so with a lot of hype and a lot of investment coming into India but they've been around teams like fintech mm -hmm. and food, food tech mm -hmm. and uh, of course we do have our own cab share ride sharing uh, and stuff mm -hmm. like that on demand tech mm -hmm. and this side of the world is obviously like going crazy as well right in contrast uh and since now you are of course looking at you know you you talk to startups all over the world the, the growth is definitely here in the numbers mm -hmm. but do you think uh all the all the crazy wacky futuristic ideas are still in silicon valley and here we're just catching up or how's what's your take i on would that? say it's it's i think it it's silicon valley is kind of set up for that it's set up for companies to go crazy and then fail. And then what the byproduct of that is that those founders will start another company and learn from that and then, you know, hope, you know, maybe make a company that actually makes a lot of sense. Because if you think about even things like medicine, for example, uh, there's a company called Roman and the founder of Reddit, Alexis Ohanian, he invests in Roman and Roman is basically erectile dysfunction pills that come in a subscription box. Wow. Okay. Because that's a problem that most males don't want to talk to their doctor about because it, like, it's not masculine to say, hey, uh, I can't perform and uh, can you help me? And so these conversations are uncomfortable conversations. So when you can subscribe to something, it's you become a bit anonymized, right? Your, your mm -hmm. face isn't out there when you're, you're pleading for this help. Yeah. Um, so I, medicine, I think, is something that 
well, works and scales across the globe. So I can see companies like that coming into India or coming into these other markets that are growth markets and ultimately uh, simply make people's lives better, right? right? And serve a better purpose. So I think from that perspective, I think it might be even footing because, you know, med- medical problems are global, right? It's something right. that everyone has. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's a model that's being tr- tested and tried out in the Valley that is applicable here. And honestly, any... If you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this and you're in India, I would definitely look into this because I can guarantee you will raise money rather quickly. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's not... I mean, we obviously take a lot of inspiration from the West and to be honest, that's sort of been an interesting handicap, I it's would say. It's been a problem, hasn't it's been it? A problem, I, I think yeah. that the fact Most VCs that just... Uh, are looking at concept yeah. arbitrage, right? I think that's a word that uh, I've, I've read uh, fairly uh, often. Uh, but I mean, like that seems like a lot of the Indian tech scene... There are exceptions. There are definitely exceptions. Like, I mean, like, people like ShareChat are doing really, really interesting things. People, so there are definitely exceptions. But a lot of what seems to be happening is concept arbitrage, right? Where you're taking an idea that's working somewhere else in the world and bringing it to India and just Indianizing it in some ways. Mm-hmm. Rather than stuff that is looking at the Indian context and trying to generate uh, a product out of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that, I think we'll see that change. But I think that that's definitely a problem we have right now. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, one of the more famous uh, companies, Rocket Internet Group, that's essentially what they do, right? They they look at a model and they say, okay, let's take Airbnb, but bring it to Brazil and call it something else, but exactly copy what they're doing. Hmm. Is that fair? Who's, Who's to say it's not fair? You know, if there's an opportunity there, you seize the day because at the end of the day, let's be real, we're here to make money. And whatever means it it is to kind of get you to that point, you're going to try and test it and see if you could be successful. So if it it is simply just copying something else that works in another market and kind of localizing it, you know, more power to you because, you know, tech doesn't always have to be innovative. You know, sometimes it just needs to exist because it is providing some sort of access. And, you know, access at scale is also very important. Yeah, and profitable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, and that's been the thing. I mean, I think uh, the initial wave of startups in India, uh, definitely, simply because the VC supported that thesis, were doing that. But like Amit said, there's been innovation and there's more and more innovation recently. What's your take on your understanding of the mobile market in India and the, I mean, the sheer economy of it and the sheer, I mean, compared to what you've seen in the past eight years uh, in the US? I mean, you've seen a lot of tech changing and upgrading and like the future's clearly starting there Mm -hmm. but in the numbers since you're a numbers guy you're Mm -hmm. you know do we know we have bigger numbers here oh yeah absolutely how do you think the trend line compares to what you've seen in eight years in silicon valley to what kind of direction we are sort of you know some of the smaller apps in, in in india are larger than some of the largest apps in the US. But I think when you break it down, you're looking at things, you're, you know, I'm a metrics person, so I'm looking at things like average revenue per daily active user. Right. And so when you're looking at a metric like ARPDAO, then, you know, that, that may be where there are, where there isn't a parallel, mm-hmm. right? Where you're seeing that while you have a lot of users uh, in your on your app, they're maybe not spenders and they're pretenders, right? Yeah. And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, you really do need very smart and sophisticated tools to help you extract as much value from your user base as possible. And ultimately, you know, that can happen in any any region, right? Because, you know, what you really want to do is you want to maximize, you know, what what essentially what the profit that 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 you could potentially have in your app. So right. 
you know, so whether it's India, whether it's China, whether it's, you know, BRIC or, you know, the acronym, right? I think at the end of the day, they need software to really take it because, you know, there's so much data out there that yeah. it can kind of drive you in circles because you just don't know what to do with it. And this data point looks interesting and so does this one and, and this other one. And then you need something to kind of just kind of put it all together and really surface those insights to make, you know, your, your job as a marketer a lot easier. Yeah, and you wanted to ask a question about. Yeah, I did. I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, so you worked both before and after in in the in the ad and marketing space, right? Before data became so central, data mm-hmm. was always a part of it, right? But mm-hmm. now it's become central to the entire thing. You mm-hmm. mentioned this a little earlier. Mm-hmm. How do you think things have changed from a functional perspective, right? I mean, like uh, as a marketer, what has what's your day to day? What's the day to day change been, right? I mean, like how do you reorient yourself into this? Well, you know, data used to be so siloed. Right. And these these silos existed and you had to go into one silo to get, you know, insights. And then you were then trying to stitch it to some other data. And you're doing that maybe with the data scientists, maybe not. And, um, you know, it's it's I think my take on it is that it's become more sophisticated, more actionable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a key word. Actionable is clearly it, because there is one where I understand the data but I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And now it's not only do you understand it, but that's all being done by algorithms. And then now it's like, this is what you should do with it. And then now you're looking at things where there's, you know, predictive, right? When what you're guessing what this user is going to do in the future with pretty high accuracy. And, you know, when you're now that we're getting to this point, these algorithms, the data is like the oil and it just kind of keeps them running. The more types of data that they're seeing, the more accurate they're perceived to be. So, um, you know, I think that change where, you know, I used to buy TV and I used to buy radio right. in like really small markets like Brownsville, Texas. And, you know, one of the campaigns that I worked on was the uh, 2010 uh, U.S. Census. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, give myself too much props. But we did win. We did win Ad Week Media Campaign of the Year for that wow yeah yeah so I was, i'm super you know, a little feather in my hat from that was probably like the thing that i gave to the you know that was probably my biggest accomplishment uh on in, madison in avenue traditional media yeah in traditional yeah. media but you know i could recall a day when i would work with a website and get the data from them and i was like these numbers don't seem real but whatever because okay. my client didn't have a way to verify that and so you know at the end of the day it's it was kind of like this trust it was like it was a hunch yeah it was really much a hunch and you know the cool things that we did back then were like oh let's do a landing page with a vanity url like that was like (laughs) oh you know oh my god this wow and then the client's like oh this is so cool and it's like now it's like that's like boring yeah yeah literally it literally it literally is uh, it's come a long way you know i think what you can do now as a marketer is just it's insane i think there's so many opportunities for you to kind of reach your audience whether it's even things like IoT, whether you know it's it's on the mobile device or it's OT, you know over the top television, you know, whatever it is, I think there's an opportunity for you to kind of reach that user, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's kind of what data is allowed. It's a, it's allowed for marketers to take more of a risk and take more chances. In fact, I mean, there's a lot flip side to it. Maybe right. that the hunch you had, if it paid off. Yes, you yes. were rewarded. If it didn't, you say, well, I didn't have enough data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's no longer an excuse, I guess. Now that's no longer an excuse. Yeah, now I have too much data. Now I have too much oh, yeah, data. I couldn't sift through it efficiently. <laughs> yeah, I'm paralyzed. There's yeah. too much information. Yeah. That's why you need the right tools, which, well, really, we'll talk about. But So what's your take? I mean, closing notes, uh, what's your take on the way forward, obviously for digital marketing or for the uh 
entire this whole space like you said the the what the guys at hype uh, are doing is essentially making your reality uh, just like your phone screen right mm-hmm. so it's like push notifications in my face <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> so, literally well i don't you know i I think my take is also there's this other piece you know there's GDPR right there's a lot of um governance that needs to be done by companies and it's not about do I get your permission to you know capture your information now it's like do I get your permission to capture this information because I'm going to do this thing right. right now they're not telling you what they're doing with it and that's the problem it's like well what's the thing so now that they if they become more transparent I think they can start to earn that trust back and people are going to start to opt in and say you know what I'm willing to do it because now I know what you're doing with it and I think that kind of secrecy and that that veil um, it, it's just the world is too modern the world is too transparent for it not to be like that right no and that's only going to get more and more i mean people are users are smart now or rather we're all like seriously overloaded with uh, marketing yeah so, we are we are definitely but awesome man thanks yeah. so much for uh, doing this armando you want to as always please subscribe to the slack channel that's on ivmpodcast.com/junior1 if you go over there and click the button join the slack channel we'll send you an invitation to join it and uh, also please do make sure you give us a rating or review on iTunes or Castbox or wherever you listen to the show it, it really does help us you want to do a shout out to anyone and maybe even tell people how to get in touch with you on twitter yeah yeah so uh shout out to anyone well you know i think uh You know, there's a lot of people that I can shout out. But I think one person that I could definitely shout out is uh, Sochi and Michael Birch. They're the founders of Bebo, a company that was acquired by AOL for $800 million. They're one of my uh, men- – they're both of my mentors. They're a fantastic couple. Uh, they have a really great uh, you know, club in, in, in San Francisco called The Battery. It's a social club, and they oh. put a lot of just different people together. Kind of like – think about like a London old-school social club. Oh. That's what it is. And, you know, they've always they've, – man, they've been so great to me. You know, you want to follow me on Instagram, AO619, Twitter, AO619. I, I, I'm, just look up AO619, and you can pretty much find me anywhere. <laughs> All right. Ooh. Thanks so much, Armando. And hope you're hope to see you back in India yeah, sometime soon. I, I definitely am looking forward to my next trip. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>